Greetings, friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism. Here on Newstalk 840 KXNT, Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian and the host of the What's Right Show. Uh, friends, again, slight programming note here just for your awareness uh, and information. We are uh, not, well, we are live, but we are not local this week. We are, the program is, is, uh, is on the road. So I'm coming to you from the Czech Republic, which is in the center of Europe, uh, here uh, in the city of Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic. And I am still, even though I'm taking some time away from work and away from Las Vegas, I am still here following everything going on back home. And one of the biggest news stories that honestly is of, well, ought to be very worrying and ought to be on everybody's uh, mind and, and, and everybody ought to be paying attention to this, but isn't making front page news, are the arrests announced yesterday by the Justice Department of two Chinese nationals who were apparently, according to police, operating an overseas illegal police station in New York City. In a complaint unsealed in federal court, two defendants were charged in connection with opening and operating an illegal overseas police station. This is the Chinese government setting up shop inside territorial United States. This is, by the way, not unprecedented. Others have been accused of participating in these schemes, and yet it continues to happen. Now, what happened, I'll tell you one thing, funny enough, is the FBI took a break from their get Trump obsession to actually do their jobs. And the agents that are following these guys, and, and, and are, I, I have no doubt, by the way, this is operating. I saw photos. Uh, where the law enforcement authorities released pictures of these guys in police uniform uh, back in China. And then here they have this front operation uh, in New York City. They are charged, apparently, uh, the, the government in, in China has these guys tracking down people that are hostile to the Chinese government. And some of these people could very well be ethnic Chinese people who are who are U.S. citizens. So these people are charged with are I mean, they're charged with a crime, but they are their their mission is to hunt down people inside the United States, including U.S. citizens. And finding ways to get them back uh, force or a threat to China. It's astounding when I talk on this program about the dangers that mainland China and the Communist Party of China present to the United States, this is just, in my view, the tip of the iceberg. And I have, I've, I've mentioned these stories before. I used to, as you know. Given that I am Nevada's favorite recovering California, I have mentioned stories before of how, when I lived in California, where there are a tremendous amount of Chinese Americans living particularly in the, in the city where I, I lived at the time, which is Irvine, California. I remember very odd exchanges with uh, folks that still had family and had 
uh, maybe factories and, and other business interests in China. I mean, these are people that were absolutely dead scared of talking ill about the Chinese government. I mean, to the point of feigning total ignorance about any political issue, even though I knew that these uh, people were sophisticated and were knowledgeable and had, well, had connections, you know, within, within the Chinese. Very well-to-do people. Because what, what happens, and I don't know if, if, if many people uh, here in the U.S. recognize this or realize this, but uh, because of, of, of birthright citizenship status you know, given to any person who was born in the United States, there is an enormous uh, industry built around getting Chinese nationals here to give birth. And to the extent that I, I, rem- I remember at the time that I was living in Irvine, I had a, we had a very nice house. This is a, a multi-million dollar home. So these, these houses on my street were not easy to come by. And there was a guy, there, this, the house next to us had, uh, at any given time, only women who were either pregnant or had very little babies, uh, very small children, infants. There's one guy that kind of came and went in the house. Nobody was friendly. No one said hi, even though these were, this was a neighborhood where, I, I mean, you know, there was a, a golf club and things like that. There was a, an enormous amount of social activity that occurred around living there. And this was a house that nobody ever said hi. And there were always different people. And we all knew what it was. And I, I never did, but I think there's folks that complained to the authorities. Now, one day... One day, a for sale sign came up. The house sold within a week, and they were gone. I don't know why. We don't know any details, but that was that. And th- this kind of stuff happens. It, it happens, folks, and particularly on the West Coast, it, it's there. Now, I bring it up. I bring it up because, you know, I always suspected that the Chinese government, no doubt, wants to exploit the fact that we let anyone— who was born in the U.S. to simply get automatically citizenship and the right to vote in this country. I have no doubt that this is supported explicitly by the Chinese government. I have no doubt, and I have had people tell me this on the sly when I get them out and away from other Chinese nationals that they're around. Remember these kind of parties. We would get together and there would be I don't know, there would be four or five or six Chinese couples. And I would ask about something like the social credit system or things I knew already were confirmed, but this is all pre-COVID, by the way. Pre-COVID, just to make that clear. I would ask about different things going on in the government, and everybody just goes, oh, I have no idea, it doesn't happen, not real. They would give me basic, you know, either stonewall me or, or, or flat-out lie and tell me that I was misinformed. And then I would talk to the same person six months later uh, when we were just having a private conversation, you know, me and maybe my wife and, and, and them. And, and all of a sudden they'd go, oh, well, I couldn't talk about it before. There were people around. Now, why would anybody care about any of that? Well, they care because I guarantee you that in Orange County, California, maybe right here in Las Vegas, there are similar Chinese police stations operating that hold accountable Chinese nationals, dual nationals, 
residents of the U.S. who are Chinese nationals and have Chinese origins, who have parents or grandparents in China, who have business interests in China. They use any and all leverage they can in order to get these people to play, play ball with them. And by the way, the Chinese government, I know this from, from talking to people off the record, they, they were giving stipends to Chinese nationals to come to the U.S. to give birth uh, on U.S. soil in order for them to get passports. This is like a, this is a known thing. How this isn't front page news on the, you know, on the New York Times, on the Washington Post, how this isn't the lead story baffles me. And the reason, the most upsetting thing of all is you can't even criticize being called xenophobic. I, I, my problem is not with any one person. My problem is with a hostile country in a hostile government that wants to literally swallow us whole, wants to do us dirty, and they're using, they're, listen, they're, they're operating within our territory, and, 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 and obviously, as you can see here, even the Biden Justice Department is arresting these people in an unlawful way. This is a big deal. And as I broadcast here uh, today, this week, from the Czech Republic, a former communist country, very aware of the extents that a totalitarian communist regime will go to protect itself. I am telling you as a voice of reason on this topic that, you know, that this is a, a, a matter to be taken seriously. Turning a blind eye to this is not acceptable. But I may have mentioned this a little bit yesterday. We are, in the U.S., we are tremendously naive. And this is a function of two things. One, we are a large but relatively isolated country. Most Americans do not travel much. If they do, they go on a, like, I see it here right now in Prague. I'm watching these tours of people, and they show up, and they're like, well, well what have you seen? Well, I went to Vienna. I went to Budapest. I went to I'm doing Prague right now, and I'm, I'm here for a week and a half, and I'm going to see five countries. Well, you don't really get any deep understanding from a tour like that. And that's the lucky ones, right? Most people do not leave you know, their state. Maybe they go to Disney World, or they, they go to D.C. for a trip once in a while. But it, it, you know, no meaningful travel, and therefore no meaningful context for the kind of things that happen around the world. The other part of this, of course, is the education. You've, you know, any person who's been in school that is, I don't know, 50, 55 or younger, even 60. We all have been taught by left-wing fanatics who do not see communism, do not see these totalitarian Bolshevik regimes for what they are. They are in denial. They're in fantasy land. They live on cloud nine. But the problem is, is that they are in positions of tremendous authority as high school teachers, as professors in top colleges, as curriculum writers, textbook authors, and so forth and so on. So these are people that, you know, that have an influence, had an influence on us, and they have an influence today on our kids. I have a 15-year-old, you know, and he's at Bishop Gorman and loves it, great school. And uh, I would say, th uh, overall, really impressed uh, with the high level of, of teaching staff there. But my, my kid's going to go to college, you know, maybe. 
if he goes to college, he's going to have some absolute idiot left-wing professors who are going to try to fill his head full of garbage. And that's why, folks, all of you that are parents, we have this sacred duty to teach our kids because if you can't send them abroad, you can't send them to live in a foreign country for a year and open their eyes and realize there's more to what's going on, then at the very least, you got to teach them at home and build up their armor so that when they go to college, when they go to school, when they have these liberal professors come at them, they have some ammunition. But this fight with China is going to be existential for us. It's going to matter. It's going to be consequential. And being uh, in fantasy land, being woke, being, oh, we can't talk about China, anti-Chinese. I remember here in Nevada, yeah, this is the funny thing. I remember people being concerned because Sisolak's wife had some, a go former governor here, had some ties to China. And, and, and the first thing that, that was said in response to it was, oh, it's, you're just being anti-Chinese. Nope. We're just being anti-Chinese Communist Party. That is what I am anti. I have my problem is not with any one person. My problem is with an enormous amount of people here coming to this country who are being sent here by their government to acquire citizenship and who are being monitored by high-level police secret service type thugs and even our Biden administration FBI DOJ is laying this out plain as day and clear to see. But the thing that makes all of what I'm saying true of all my criticism is the fact that you're going to have to search for the story in the mainstream media. They do not think it's sexy, and they don't think it's sexy because it is a problem for the narrative that they are pushing. So I'm not going to leave it alone here. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Got to take a quick break. I'll be back in just a minute. Yes, more on this topic and got some other stuff too. I, we're, there's a lot happening. I, don't go anywhere. Be right back. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian here behind the What's Right microphone. Welcome back, uh, folks. Yeah, we are here live and local, 1 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday on News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, today, of course, the show coming to you as it will be for the balance of the week from the road as I am on special assignment in the Czech Republic, uh, and I'm, well, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I have, I, I took some, I'll give you a little bit of, a, of you. I, I had a really wonderful meeting today. I had some friends here from Las Vegas uh, visit me. Yeah, they're a nice couple from Summerlin. They're good, uh, very good friends of mine, and they're, they're here in town uh, for a few days. So I, I got to take them around. I did all the touristy stuff today. Went up to Prague Castle, which is uh, spectacular. You climb up the hill. You, you uh, went through some of the old interiors. Went into St. Vitus Cathedral, which is parts of it date back to the 1300s. I went um, 
uh, into a, a, a church basilica uh, that is even older than that, that's from about 1100. I went to uh, the inside, one of some of the old uh, rooms within Prague Castle, and went to the very spot where a couple of, uh, of guys working for the royal court were thrown out of a window. And this event, referred to as the Great Defenestration of Prague, kicked off an, uh, a conflict known as the Thirty Years' War, one of the bloodiest wars uh, in, in modern Europe. Conflict lasted roughly from what was that, 1618 to 1648, and it, you know this this ultimately led to a, uh, a Europe wide conflict. Right, the Swedes were involved, the French were involved, uh, everybody was was fighting. Millions of people died. The estimates are, or there's a, there's a range, but uh, millions and millions of soldiers and civilians dead. And ultimately, uh, you know, some some alliances within Europe were were tremendously changed and affected. Now, I, it's always when you're sitting at a mo- at a place like that and standing in a place where where an, a particular event is kicked off that then has some bearing on on the rest of our time. You you have a moment to ponder. And you think, what events are occurring today, this week, now, that we don't know yet that how significant they will be to the future of us, of our country, of the world? Because right? I have no doubt that there are pivotal things occurring as we speak that will have great bearing on us and our futures. Now, by, by the way, yes, producer Robbie's right. Defenestration literally means to be thrown out the window. Yes, so they threw these guys out the window. I want to make that abundantly clear. That's what it is. Now, I think it was three guys that were thrown out the window. But anyway, at any rate, they all survived. That was the funny part of it. So they got thrown out the window. Apparently, there were some trees, some branches that, that broke their fall. Uh, this was attributed, of course, to a miracle having occurred that they were protected by, by God which may well be the case. They were also protected by foliage. So plant a tree, save a life, I suppose, if uh, you're you know, about to be a courtier thrown out a window. Now, what is a major event occurring now, even though the mainstream media is completely silent about it, are the arrests of a couple Chinese policemen operating an unlicensed, unsanctioned police station within New York City. And by the way, I mentioned earlier that this kind of uh, these operations could be taking place in Las Vegas. They could also be taking place in California, all over the country, I have no doubt. And here is, I want to play this for you. Well, I'm up against the clock. I, I, will, I have the press conference. There's something very interesting that the U.S. attorney says that ties into my concern about birthright citizenship being taken advantage of by the, US, by the Chinese government. And I tell you, this is, this is a problem. So I want to get into this when we return because uh, it's a great issue. Just come to, the, come to this country. Come to the U.S. Give birth. Your kid has a passport. Easy as that. 
Maybe this is something that has to change. All right, Sam Rachofsky, I'll be back in a minute. Don't go anywhere. The What's Right Show will continue next. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your 24-7 sanity lifeline. That's right, 24-7, even though I am here live, 1 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday, I put in my 10 hours a week, okay? It's all I can do, friends. 10 hours, you got me for that time. But, but if you miss any portion of the show, or you want to re-listen to a particular episode, you can go to the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, even the Odyssey app carries the program. Go there, find What's Right Show. Three words, What's Right Show. You'll see my picture. I'm there. That's me, Sam, the one and only lawyer, talk show host, and all-around good guy. Well, there it is. That's, that's the thing. That's why I say it's a 24-7 uh, sanity lifeline. It's good to have. Now, Instagram, Twitter, find me at What's Right Show. That's the program. That's the show. Political stuff's on there. At What's Right Sam is where I have my uh, stuff. And by the way, on on Instagram, I'm posting, because I'm coming to you today, not from my usual downtown Las Vegas location, but I am in Prague in the Czech Republic. I bring all my equipment with me and set up a studio here in my hotel room, which is, I know it's not perfect and I don't sound exactly the same. I promise it's me. Okay, I don't know how to convince you. It's me. I'm here. But at any rate, if you want to see some of these places that I've been talking about, I, I am posting a little bit on my Instagram, at What's Right Sam. So go on there, follow me, and, and you'll, you'll see what we're up to. And I got my daughter here and, and, and my wife joining me. So it's going, to be, it's going to be a great time. Plus, I've got some very good friends here from Las Vegas that are great, and I'm, I'm being a tour guide by day. So that's what I did today. I was a tour guide. I had... My feet, yeah, my dogs are barking. I think that's the, that's the first. I'm doing about, I don't know, I don't have an Apple Watch, so I can't tell you exactly what my, how many clicks I'm, I'm, uh, I'm putting down here. Uh, but I, I guarantee you it is at least, based on how my feet are killing me, it is at least 10 miles. And Prague, by the way, the city here, it has some topography to it. You know, it's, it's got, we went up to Prague Castle and did that, you know, it's up on the hill, it's above the river, very magical, beautiful uh, uh, place, and going through all these little crooked streets, big cobblestones, that kind of thing, uh, but it is, it was, you know, it was uphill, then it was downhill, and then it was all across town, and I am, uh, well, I'm, whatever extra food I am eating, <laughs> which of course I am eating, and I cannot wait, folks, to get back to eat, talk, repeat, John Curtis went to Paris. I, you know, I, I, Ash, Ash is at home. She's working. Uh, but I, you know, we're going to do our Eat Talk Repeat program. You, yeah, you know, our, well, we do a food podcast. We try to do it every Friday, but then when we are traveling and we're not around. So Eat Talk Repeat, if you want to hear us talk about food, particularly restaurants in Las Vegas, you want to follow that show. It's a, a podcast, Eat Talk Repeat. Find us there. Me, it's Ash Watkins, my my law partner at Sam and Ash Injury Law, and then John Curtis, who is a city attorney in Las Vegas and also uh, a tremendous 
uh, and successful food critic uh, in town and, 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 and very knowledgeable when it comes to food. So yeah, th- there it is. I am eating a lot here and I think I'm walking all of it off and then some. Now back to the stuff going on, back to the meat of the matter. Friends, this business of this Chinese police station getting uncovered, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York announcing arrests and closure of said facility, uh, this, is, uh, this is huge news. And here is, by the way, I want to play for you uh, to understand what was going on. This is Breon Peace. This is, uh, sorry, not the Southern District of New York, the Eastern District of New York. So this just happened. Uh, this is the Eastern District of New York. U.S. Attorney there, Breon Peace, uh, talking about what happened, where it happened, what's the, what, the, what the situation is. Two miles from our office, just across the Brooklyn Bridge, this nondescript office building in the heart of bustling Chinatown in lower Manhattan has a dark secret. Until several months ago, an entire floor of this building hosted an undeclared police station of the Chinese National Police. So there it is. Just, you know, by the way, I saw pictures of this. It, it you know, it looks like um, there are other Chinese businesses in, in the building. Um, if, if it's in a, a Chinatown area, it's uh, definitely a place where they wouldn't be noticed for coming in and out. And they're operating. Now, here's where it gets sinister. And here's where I want, I want to rem- remind you earlier in the show talking about how I have personally been told by friends that are Chinese nationals, have business interest in China, that I used to live uh, uh, near in uh, California when I used to live in California, and tell me flat out the Chinese government encourages Chinese nationals to come to the U.S. to give birth. Kids get the passport. Kids return back to, you know, obviously the infant returns back to China. Now this kid has a passport. Now this kid can vote. Now this kid can integrate into society here in the U.S. Now, given what I told you, here is the U.S. attorney from the Eastern District of New York talking about uh, what type of activities it was going on. On at least one occasion, an official with the Chinese National Police directed one of the defendants, a U.S. citizen who worked at the secret police station, to help locate a pro-democracy activist of Chinese descent living in California. In other words, the Chinese National Police appear to have been using the station to track a U.S. resident on U.S. soil. Yeah, this is, um, this is a concern. <laughs> and by the way, you know, if this system of sending Chinese nationals to the U.S. to give birth, to get passports, to, you know, and the, the, it's been going on for decades— the first wave of folks encouraged to do this, right? The, the, their kids, the ones that have birthright citizenship, are now, what, in their 20s, maybe 30s? This is very dangerous. We are, our existing approach to immigration, our existing immigration laws could be the end of us because foes like China that are long-game players know that all it takes is there's ways to get citizenship. They're doing it and get these people, raise them in China, indoctrinate them in China, give them privileges in China, get them, you know, enormous wealth, compensation, send them off into the U.S., and that the country 
the crucible of free speech, I still think it is in spite of all the madness going on, the bastion of democracy, the country that you know, likes to think of itself. I'm talking about the U.S. here. We think of ourselves as, as exporting democracy around the world. I mean, that's, who we, that's what we do. Has on its own soil Chinese communist secret police going around arresting people who either are residents or it might even be U.S. nationals who are hostile to the Chinese regime. That's what's going on. If that doesn't terrify you, I don't know what, what does. No, this is not – okay, I, this, it's a valid question. Producer Ram, Robbie's asking me a question here. He says, well, this is – you know, during the Cold War, the Russians had spies working at the embassy, and these spies would, you know, would, would, would operate within the U.S., but they were, you know, they were diplomats. They were pretending to be with the State Department, but they were really spies. This isn't the same thing because these people are not registered as – Anything. They're not registered as being affiliated with, with the government. They're not coming here as diplomats. They're not coming here as Chinese nationals. He, he, you just heard the US, uh, USA, the U.S. attorney, talking about what, what was going on here. The Chinese National Police directed one of the defendants, a U.S. citizen who worked at the secret police station, to help locate a pro-democracy activist. This is not a person who is a diplomat operating within the embassy that, you know, I mean, the presumption, of course, during the Cold War was that every person that came to every diplomat assigned to the Russian embassy was a spy. You just started with that default. That was a reasonable position. And, then you, you know, you worked your way back. Not everybody maybe was, but pretty much all of them were to some extent. But among the diplomatic corps assigned to the embassies, assigned to the consulates, yeah, uh, there, were, there were real, actual spies. And we knew that. This is a covert operation. And m maybe there's some communication directly with the Chinese embassy. I'm thinking more there's direct communication straight to mainland China. It's not even a diplomatic effort. This is a straight-up police operation occurring on our soil. Now, for every country that China, through uh, its financial initiatives, gives money to, finances, helps leverage their assets, which they ultimately hope uh, these countries will lose, these, these third world countries will lose and give up to them. How many countries have similar setups operating within their borders? How many countries are becoming... De facto satellite states of red China. How many countries are not going to stand up to this kind of operation going on uh, if they're getting a, a tremendous amount of support, billions of dollars a year, propping up their entire economies? I've talked about another place that I've been to in the last 12 months, taken my show to Barbados, beautiful island uh, in the southern Atlantic on the border of the Atlantic and the, um, and the Caribbean in the West Indies. It used to be a part of the Commonwealth. It used to be a British colony, in fact. 
The Chinese have completely taken it over, and they've done it for very little money. I mean, I think a couple hundred, few hundred million dollars. But that's a few hundred million dollars that Barbados cannot live without. What are they willing to do for that? And are they willing to walk away from that kind of funding if they were to discover China operating a two-man police station somewhere, you know, in the in the country and and harassing, you know, locals that you know that that you know they're going to pick. These countries are going to make a choice. This is th- this is by the way, it's it's brilliant. The Chinese, what they're doing is brilliant, but they're spreading their power around the globe. Very few people will want to stand up to them knowing that they cannot outrun the long reach of the Chinese secret police. This is all really big stuff. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here. I, I, I know. Well, there's a, you know, there, there, by the way, this is a problem. If you do not, if the Biden administration now does not, if Biden doesn't take a stand on this, if he doesn't stick this to President Xi, He's compromised. By the way, I, I'm a strong believer in that, in that, that Biden is, in fact, compromised by the Chinese. And that's, all that stuff, by the way, is on the Hunter laptop. It's there. Uh, the media just chooses to ignore it. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. I know, I know, this is where it really gets wacky. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. Uh, friends, Pete Buttigieg, he is the uh, Secretary of Transportation. Biden's affirmative action hire for the job. Absolute useless uh, human being. By the way, hasn't done anything more train derailments, but of course it's okay because you know he's gone on the record before to say it doesn't really matter that the train with all the chemicals derailed in East Palestine, doesn't matter. All good. We have thousands of train derailments a year. What am I supposed to do about it? Well, I don't know, Pete. Maybe because you're, you know, the head of the agency that should maintain safety uh, on our roadways and safety on our railways and safety up in the air. Maybe it ought to be something that you concern yourself with. And given that you've been on the job for two years, well, I don't know. Maybe. This is something you could fix. But when he's not busy passing the buck around, he's coming up with great ideas about the reasons that people get hurt on the roads. And one of those driving principal reasons is the color of your skin. You're not going to believe this because, again, he said this stuff before. He said it again this Sunday, MSNBC with Al Sharpton. Pete Buttigieg. Transportation Secretary, Mr. Train Derailment Happening Across the Country, Mr. I don't can't do anything about it, here to tell us that roads in America are racist. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence. And we see a lot of racial disparities. Black and brown Americans, tribal citizens, and rural residents 
much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? Who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities. And we have a, a responsibility to act on that. This is such drivel. I don't even know where to begin with it. Now, I'm a personal injury lawyer. I deal with accidents for a living. I know this like the back of my hand. Number one, top driver for who gets a lit intersection and who doesn't is generally how many people live in the area. Population density. That drives funding. Rural areas, I got to tell you, it doesn't matter if they're white. It doesn't matter if they're rich. They have some of the worst poorly designed roads. There's not a lot of people on them. And by the way, that's why in some of these rural areas, outskirt areas, city, you know, you, you have outside of the city areas, you, you, have, you have some of the most horrific accidents. Now, road design, Pete isn't racist. I mean, uh, maybe it's a problem if the person designing the road is a, a gerbil on meth because that, or the, I mean, seems to me at least as a guy uh, being a PI lawyer in Las Vegas. Some of these roads, folks, I don't know what it is. It's not a question of money. I mean, they, we spent a lot of money building you know, these interchanges. They don't make any sense to me. And, and they cause accidents because they're, they're, they, they create opportunities for you know people people have to think when they enter them and they make mistakes but there are so many factors that lead to accidents that he is making it a racial thing is exactly everything that is wrong with this administration it is infuriating honestly and i i i mean I'm I'm at a loss for words. You know, you have you have places in LA, you have places in the inner city or in, in downtown LA, you know, where, where you do have uh, truly people of lower economic uh, means uh, that are very well lit, where there are crosswalks, where everything is set up. So you go. By the way, you you want you want a dark road? Go to Brentwood. <laughs> go yeah. Go to Bel Air. I mean, I'm just bringing up a, a, a liberal, a big liberal city that I'm familiar with a little bit. You want windy, you know, roads that, you know, go, Mulholland Drive. A lot of rich people live off that road, by the way. It's dangerous as all hell. But it's not because some city planner decided, oh, we're going to get whitey. We're going to get the rich guy. We're going to let these people kill themselves out on these roads. It didn't work that way. It's just the way it is. These people look for race in everything. They are, this is, they're, they're, I mean, they're consumed by it. Because if, if they don't have, if they cannot push race as a narrative, they don't have anything to grift on. They lose all their political capital. This is absolutely despicable. All right, we got to, uh, top of the hour here and all that good stuff. I have a question for you. I'm going to talk about this here after the break. Let me mix this up a little bit because I saw 
this this sports guy, this baseball player, gets out there and he is irate with United Airlines. Now that's got my interest. I, irate. He's irate. He's mad. Why? He's upset. Because United Airlines, a flight attendant, asked his pregnant wife to pick up all the popcorn that their two-year-old threw all over the plane, all over the floor. And there's a photo, by the way. So this is, you know, it's there. And this is according to him. He just can't believe that they asked my wife to pick up after my kid. She's pregnant. Now, when we come back, I, I want your opinion on this, right? I, I want your opinion. You can email me, sam at salmonashlaw.com, sam at salmonashlaw.com. Let me know what you think, because I, I, have, I have a thought on this. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually surprised more people haven't, haven't had this particular, particular thought, particular insight. Don't go anywhere. You do not want to miss this. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, conversationalists, allies, and enemies alike. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm welcoming everybody. That's what I do here. You're listening to The What's Right Show. This is the place here in Las Vegas for common sense conservatism. We deliver it daily, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on the station. Sam Rajofsky here, your host. All right, I am, well, it's late at night where I'm at. I'm, I'm sorry, I got to tell you guys, I'm, I'm coming to you from Prague, uh, from the Czech Republic. I'm on the road, uh, so it's, it's a little late in the evening here. Forgive me. Uh, but I need to I, I need to bring something up, given that I am traveling, given that I actually came here, I flew here with my 10-year-old daughter. And I, by the way, I have three kids. I have flown a lot with my kids. I've also taken my kids over the years to restaurants. I've taken them, you know, I take them everywhere with me. And I, I've done it from an early age. And and, um, and I've done it successfully for the most part. I would say I've done it successfully. Now, there was this tweet that got my attention. And it was, well, I, it, was an interesting, it was an interesting deal. As a baseball player, I don't know who this person is. But it's a, well, I'll tell you here. Anthony Bass. Uh, that's who it is. And he's a, he's a ball player. Um, and he's got, he's with the Toronto Blue Jays. Apparently he wasn't there, but his wife, who is according to him, 22 months pregnant is traveling with, uh, two of their kids. Uh, one's, one's a two-year-old and the two-year-old, uh, threw popcorn, uh, all over the seat and the ground. And this is, you know, they're, they're, these kids are sitting there on the plane and, and they're both on, by the way, they're both on, on iPads, you know, for playing whatever. They're on iPads, and they are, there's a bunch of, of popcorn strewn under, under the seat. Now, you know, there are a lot of people that are outraged. I mean, outraged that the flight attendant for United would dare tell this woman to clean up after her kid. 
And I'm not one of them. Let me just tell you that. But you know what's interesting is of the people that are reacting to this, and I'm scrolling some of the comments on some of the articles, and I've, I've looked at Twitter because this guy posted this on Twitter, so there, it's, getting, it's getting some traction. What the interesting thing is no one that I have seen, of course, besides me, because I am the guy sometimes that think a little differently here, no one besides me has come out and said this. The problem is not the cleanup. The problem is, is you got a two-year-old, and we don't know if it's early two-year-old or two-and-a-half or whatever, that, that thinks it's okay to just throw popcorn on the ground. And before you get, let me, I, I'm looking at the photo. It looks like the kid, and based on what, you know, what was kind of some of the comments back and forth, even from, from the guy who originally posted this, it seems like the kid's throwing the popcorn all over the place. And I have, you know, I have, an, I have an early memory as a father of being out in a nice hotel in, of all cities in San Francisco. And my son was a year, a year and a half, maybe. And he was, he was, he, listen, these kids, uh, you've, if you've had kids, you know, they are, they know exactly what they're doing. These kids are so uh, intuitive and locked in to figuring out what they can get away with. And I remember that we were eating breakfast at the hotel restaurant uh, morning, you know, in San Francisco. It was a weekend, I think. Doesn't matter. It was a nice place. My son's in a in a high chair, and he is eating a bagel, and he's kind of picking off pieces. And then I just watch him throw one on the ground. I said, "No, Daniel, do not do that." And the next thing my son did is he took the bagel, he picked off a piece, and while he was looking at me, he just threw a piece down on the ground. <laughs> I bet you're laughing. I mean, that, right? I mean, if you've been a parent, you've literally had this moment. And then I said, Daniel, if you do it one more time, I'm going to give you a spanking. Now, my son had never, I mean, a year and a half, right? Or a little bit, maybe a touch older, but not two. My son looks at me, and he just takes another piece and throws it on the ground. And I picked him up, and I took him to the hotel room, and I gave him a smack on his rear end. I knew I wasn't going to do it in the restaurant because in, in San Francisco, I would have gotten arrested. And it was, I mean, it wasn't hard. It wasn't, it was just, he was just so shocked that I would carry through and actually, like, do that. And he already knew what I was talking about, right? He understood that there was going to be a consequence. He just didn't understand what a spanking would be. Well, he didn't do that again. And most importantly, he ended up being this kid, right, that now, I mean, he's 15 now, but if, at five, at three, at seven, he, he could, uh, we could take him anywhere. And he knew how to behave. And some of you listening, of course, know my son and know that he's a, a very respectful Young man, he's also afraid of his parents because we've always held him to account. My take on the story is these parents are permissive and indulgent and think that a two-year-old, a two-year-old doesn't know any better. 
hell, what are you talking about? Of course a two-year-old knows better. And if your two-year-old doesn't know any better, if you don't make your two-year-old understand, somehow, if you're not into space, if you don't want to do the corporal punishment, I understand. So then you, you have to do something. Kid likes his iPad. You throw that one more time, I'm taking your iPad away. Well, if you carry through with that, maybe your kid will stop throwing crap all over an airplane. Because I'll tell you, I think it's tremendously disrespectful to ask and demand and feel entitled to people cleaning up after your kids. I think if you take your rest, kids, little kids to a restaurant and they make a ginormous mess, I think that's disrespectful. And more importantly, over time, what you're doing is creating little monsters that as they become too old to be cute when they're doing stuff like that, become insufferable. And it becomes detrimental to your kids. It actually hurts your kids in the long run. Right? They get their first job and don't know how to behave. They, you know, they, they don't grow up eating knowing manners, how to knife and fork and all that good stuff. They, they get their first business lunch and they, they, uh, the boss, you know, their boss looks at them like they're from another planet. I mean, I've seen, I've seen this firsthand. So that's what this, to me, that's what this story is about. And it's gotten national attention and people are reacting to it. And, and the general, cons- uh, the two camps, right? One is the mom should clean it up. And the other camp is, you know, oh, the, the, the airline should clean it up. And the, how dare they ask a 22 month pregnant lady to, to, to be cleaning up the seats. I just think that, you know, the, the, the entire missing point here is that the, the, the I think the kid, the, the kid ought to be taught. You have to be friends. I cannot stress this enough. For those of you who are still early stages parenthood, maybe planning to have kids, and you're, you know, you're at the beginning of all of this, let me just give you some, some great advice. You have to, you have to, with your kids, you have to assert yourself. And, and, and you, you, you have, you, kids need structure. They demand it, believe it or not. And you can say no, and you can deliver a punishment when they break the rules that you put out there. But if you let things go and if you're, if you want to be accommodating and you want to be sweet and you want to be encouraging, you want to crush their little spirits and all this stuff then eventually, folks, the inmates will run the asylum. You've abdicated your responsibilities as a parent. And my opinion is you, you end up in a, in, a, in a spot where you've got, well, you, you, you've, got, you've ultimately done harm to your kid, much greater harm than a little firmness along the way. Because one of the things my kids have going for them what, and, and if I had, you know, maybe one of these days I need to have my son on here for a, need to talk to him about this, but I, I, I'll do it on air. I think it would be interesting. You guys could hear from him. Maybe, maybe he would, he thinks he feels differently about all this now, but I'll tell you one thing he, he recognizes now, even as a, uh, as a teenager, as a 15 year old, he, he understands how many opportunities he's had open to him by virtue of being well-mannered. Because I've told my kids for, for years, I, I tell them, look, until you're an adult, until you're a successful adult, understand that this world is run by adults. 
They're the ones who control whether you get opportunities. They're the ones that control whether you get goodies. I learned this early on. If I went to a, a bakery with my dad and I was very polite, good morning to the lady, and I was kind to her and courteous, I'd get a cookie. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a reward. And my kids have had great opportunities uh, happen to them by virtue of, of, of being polite, respectful. Uh, and, and that's taught. You don't just pick that up. And you as the parent, you as the parent are responsible for teaching it. That's a non-delegable responsibility. So these are my, my thoughts on this. And, you know, of course it's an athlete and he's probably got gobs of money and, 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 you know, who knows what kind of manners he was raised with and, and, and the wife's, you know, stressed out of her mind. He's on the road most of the year. She's got little kids at home. I, I understand. There's, there are a lot of reasons why people don't be good parents. I just think there's a lot of great reasons why to be a great parent, and we are all, we are all capable of it. All right, I got to take a quick break here. I will be back in just a minute. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right. All right, friends, Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism here, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Well, I have to tell you a little update on a local slash national story. Sam Brinton, you know, he's the cross-dressing nuclear waste guru, expert, former member of the Biden administration, no jail time is what he got for stealing luggage right here at our airport in Las Vegas. According to Clark County criminal records, Britain was ordered to pay just $3,600 to the victim and an extra $500 in additional fees, including a criminal fine. Clark County Judge Ann Zimmerman then handed Britain a 180-day suspended sentence told Britain, hey, pal, stay out of trouble. And if he does get into trouble, by the way, the uh, six-month sentence would kick in, uh, and he could be arrested and put into custody. Um, it does. It's interesting, though. He was determined to be at fault for all this. Zimmerman said that he was guilty of theft uh, of, of, of what he did. Um, the, the problem is apparently the suitcase wasn't worth, and the stuff in it wasn't worth that much money. I know they paid $3,600, but somehow the, the judge decided that it was the, the total sum of the true value of the items that he stole was less than $1,200. So Brinton did uh, waive uh, his right to a jury t- trial. He uh, uh, pled no contest to these charges, and that uh, ends it. Now, I think there's another case happening that is out in D.C., uh, so he, he's not out of the woods yet. There's another criminal case that's pending. This just disposes of the one that I'm aware of, the only one that I'm aware of here happening in, in Nevada. Um, it is, I mean, look, I, we talked about the story and covered it. I mean, this is despicable behavior. Um, and what do, I, what do I make of this? I think people who steal, whether it's $3,000 
or $300,000 ought to see some jail time. And sure, proportional to what the value of the theft is. You know, one of the most important things about, about sentencing um, is to have, well, proportionality, yes, there's a lot of components, but, I, you know, if you make crime pay by releasing criminals with essentially a slap on the wrist and avoiding any kind of incarceration, I, I, I think you're encouraging more of the behavior. Now, Britain's a, a, a case of somebody who, I mean, presumably, right? This guy has no need to steal. I mean, he's he had a decent salary working for the government. I mean, the guy's a nuclear scientist, right? I mean, how destitute can you be? This was some kind of a, a, a kink of his where he liked to steal stuff. By the way, he, he stole that one designer's uh, bag and then was wearing her custom-made dresses, which is how he ultimately was was traced to this theft is because she had a one-off outfit that she created for herself, and the guy stole it, in, you know, in her bag, and then wore it to a gala, and even even posted pictures on his LinkedIn of himself wearing this dress. It's it's a deal, like it's some kind of thing that gives him a high. And so the question is, does this make him not do it again? And I'm, I'm thinking my answer is no. I think he's going to just be more careful about not getting caught. And that's the reality of it. So this this will be you know this will be an interesting an interesting deal. Now there's been an update. Uh, there was a I don't know if you saw this on Fox News. Uh, Tucker Carlson had uh, Elon Musk on yesterday. By the way, a rocket launch was delayed. I think scrubbed. I think it's delayed. I think it's it's back on. Uh, firing a, one of his newest rockets into space. So this, Elon Musk has got a lot going on. But he gets asked about Tucker about, about Twitter. And he gets asked uh, specifically about Twitter and how it, well, how is it able to operate slim down? And here is the exchange regarding the number of staff left to Twitter. Listen to this. I think we're about, we're about uh, 20% of uh, the original size. Uh, so 80% left. Uh, yes. So I mean, a lot of people voluntarily. Sure, sure. sure. But but it's 80 percent are gone from the day that, you took that's over. That's correct. Yes. So how do you run the company with only 20 percent of the staff? Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, that, all that many people to run Twitter. But 80 percent? That's a lot. Um, yes. Uh, over, I mean, if you're, if you're not trying to run some sort of uh, glorified activist organization uh, with, with uh, and you're not care that much about censorship, then uh, you can really let go of a lot of people, it turns out. I told you yesterday about Berenson versus Biden, which is a case progressing through the courts. It's a real First Amendment case to watch because the allegations in the suit by Alex Berenson, a journalist who had his Twitter account suspended at the behest of a Biden administration official, um, that as that case moves forward, you realize that there were tons of people on the inside of Twitter who were picking up the phone and answering emails and, you know, coordinating subversive anti-speech, anti-free speech activity, coordinating with the government and with various state governments and other governmental and non-governmental entities. 
And so I think his point is well taken. Well, listen, I mean, I don't need to run this giant system that is very labor intensive to constantly manage the environment online. I can automate some of that and I can ultimately let free speech be free speech. Now, what's happening in Twitter, by the way? Well, I got, I'm up against the clock, but what's happening is, is it's not everything's going 100% smoothly. But I still believe Elon Musk can pull this through. All right, got to run, folks. Sam Marjofsky, The What's Right Show, back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism here on News Talk 840 KXNT. So this story, friends, I got to I got to address this because it it's one of these moments where I had some people close to me start getting very agitated and posting, uh, tweeting, uh, putting up on Facebook, all the stuff about this case out of Kansas City. Ralph Yar, teenager, apparently, this is what we know as of now. He was uh, in a neighborhood. He rang the wrong doorbell. He went to the wrong door. And there he was shot, not killed, but shot and grievously injured by a homeowner. Uh, The homeowner now has, uh, by the way, older guy, Andrew Lester is his name, 84 years old. Uh, He's been charged now with uh, assault in the first degree and armed criminal action in the shooting. Uh, Clark, uh, excuse me, Clay County prosecutors there in Kansas City claim now that there was a racial component. The teen, of course, uh, if you haven't seen this, the teen is black, the homeowner is white, and there is a tremendous amount of brouhaha over it. Now, yesterday, before these charges were announced, my feed exploded. All my left-wing liberal friends were up in arms. Retweet this. Injustice. The white guy who almost killed this black teenager is out of jail and thumbing his nose at justice and everything. And I was sitting here uh, with my wife and I thought, I I mean, I got to listen. One of our friends, we have a dear friend. uh, He used to live near us. And uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to name her, but I'm going to just say she's become a very, very wackadoodle and left, left, left wing. Uh, Particularly, she's part of this group Moms Demand Action. So any 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 shooting thing, I mean, her her social media. Now, I follow her. I follow her for cute pictures of her family because I love them. They're great people. I just don't you know, like I, I keep my politics on my my my. My Instagram is about my kids, you know. Instagram is pictures. The show is where you go for the funny political stuff. So what's right show, for example, on Instagram? What's right show? That we have political stuff on. But my Instagram, uh, what's right Sam, at what's right Sam, that's me. Uh, I, you can, you're just going to see pictures of my kids and fun things I'm doing in the moment. By the way, right now I'm coming to you live from the beautiful city of Prague in the Czech Republic. So the show this week is on the road. And I do have some photos there, and I'll put up some videos too of me here on location. But anyway, bringing this all up, I want to see, 
I follow her for the for the family stuff, and I'm but I'm finding all this. So many people went berserk over this story, and so I'm reading it, and I'm you know, and my first reaction to it is because I I put on my lawyer hat and I go, well, there's there's got to be more to this. Okay, either the kid didn't just go up to the door of the wrong house to ring a doorbell. Like, there was more to it. Or the guy will get charged. It just doesn't happen overnight. So I I start looking into it this morning when I wake up, which is kind of middle of the night uh, back home in the States. And I I, I look at it, and I go, yeah, this— this guy's gonna get charged. Sure enough, within hours, his charges are announced. And the reason for it is that Kansas City, like a lot of places, you know, they you got to hold on a on a on a prisoner, on on a guy that gets arrested. You get you got to hold twenty four hours. After that, you got to let him let him loose, or charge him with the crime. But the DA needs to put forward the 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 the, the pleading, and he's got to he's got to file those criminal charges at court. And he's, there's a whole procedure to go through, and it doesn't happen within hours. There has to be an investigation. They have to look into it. They've got to, they've got to write the, the damn paperwork. It's so funny to me how the people that are always fighting for abolishing the police, telling us that Black Lives Matter, we ought to have less cops, that we ought to have more social workers. I think these are the first people that when an injustice occurs, and this Look, again, I don't have the de- all the details. It'll come out in court. But if the facts are as they appear to be in the newspapers that I've read, it's an injustice. I mean, this kid got wrongfully shot. This guy is, I mean, this is, this is, this is unacceptable, and a crime was committed. And it's right that he get charged. But I guess my point is, is all the people that are the biggest, you know, defund the police people, when there's an injustice occurring that they think is a real injustice, that then they demand that the police that they're always assaulting and fighting against, that those people re- react instantly and right then and there, and that justice system better work. Like all those, all those, all those laid-off cops, or wait, all of those cops who thousands of officers in New York City, for example, who've left because I don't know, they they're tired of arresting dangerous criminals only for them to get released by Alvin Bragg the next day out of jail or even the same day. So all these cops are, are now suddenly supposed to just click their heels and go, why, yes, Mr. BLM, we are right on it. We're going to have that paperwork filed in 20 minutes. You just wait right there. It's not how it works, folks. So maybe this would have been, uh, I, and look, again, based on the facts I see, this would have been an injustice if no charge been filed, but the guy got charges filed against him, and he's been arrested. There's been a, you know, he's, he's, he's going to face the music on this. And the facts will come out as they come out in trial. But, you, you know, when you, re, when, uh, it's almost like, do you know what I mean when I say you have friends on social media or people that you know and, and you're communicating with them face-to-face even or on the phone or by text, and they are outraged about something or there's a story. And you read it, you go, yeah, that if I'm reading all the facts just as the way you presented them to me or hearing them as you presented them to me, and yeah, that's outrageous. Because my friend posted something along the lines of white man 
almost kills black teenager gets to walk scot-free. Like, that was the title of it. But that's just not, that's, that's, that's not the least bit accurate, right? Because the message there is fundamentally wrong. Even though the facts surrounding it are, you know, it's factually correct that there was a shooting, that it was a white man that shot a black teenager, yes, but everything else is very subjective and is and is and actually highly inflammatory. And it takes me to kind of the heart, in my opinion, the heart of what liberalism is today is that it's in, it's intended to enrage, to inflame our sensibilities, to provoke us into some kind of, you know, action and 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 and, and reaction, emotional reaction. And then usually when you put it through the processor, you got to put it through your brain. I mean, that's what this is all about, folks. If you, and, it, and it's true even, by the way, I see it on some of these, you know, stuff that some of my, my, my very, um, well, my, you know, like conspiracy guy you know, people on the right send me. I'm like, well, that can't be right. I mean, I, I, and if it is, wow, that's outrageous. But I, I got to put this through a, I got to put this through a filter. I, I've got to read more about this. I've got to learn as many facts as I can and make a determination whether this is real. And we all need to do that. That's a very critical skill in in this world. And so, you know, and and, and so, and by the way, socials, you know, back to Elon Musk, he's not going to fix Twitter overnight, folks. It's not going to... I hate to break it to, to everybody. Musk is a phenomenally smart guy. I still believe that he has what it takes to make uh, Twitter something special. I I don't know. I think we need to, as conservatives, disabuse dis, dis ourselves of the notion that he is a a a conservative uh, thinker and that he is a a, um, a a liberal small L right liberal guy. Uh, I think that he's. You know, he's figuring out what this needs to be and how it's going to work. And I think it's certainly Twitter is better off now than it was. And I think it's putting a, a necessary spotlight, not just on what happened at Twitter, but what is happening at Facebook, at Meta and elsewhere, Google, right? YouTube, uh, all these companies. Uh, but I, but, you know, so, so what, you know, shining a light on all of this, Elon Musk doing that, invaluable. As far as building a platform that is going to be perfect, I, I don't, you know, I don't think so. And as far as living in a world where social media, where you're protected from hearing stupid things on social media, we don't want that. And that's why I'm saying is that critical thinking when it comes to reading stuff you see online is essential. With freedom comes great responsibility. What we want is the freedom for everyone, no matter how idiotic they are, to express themselves freely. The flip side of that is we then take responsibility for sifting through this information and being, you know, having that, that part of our brain exercised, you know, lubricated, ready to go in its approach to stripping away this, this, this mush, this emotion, this, these triggering words that are that are that are that are pointless and useless to the core message. So that I think all of that's very important and and it and it comes it comes with it comes with the 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 freedom 
to have people express themselves and for us to be able to hear them. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here. Super great to be with you, folks. Really enjoying this and, and, and grateful to be with you. Uh, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve lawyers that share your values. Oh, wow. I need to... <laughs> I had somebody send this to me, um, and I thought I would share it with you. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Um, I am, and I talk about this frequently here on the show, you know, I, I, I started the firm Sam and Ash Injury Law, and I did this uh, precisely because I was, I was frustrated as a lawyer that worked for a different firm, at a different firm, that I believed a better level of service could be given to people who get hurt and who need the kind of representation uh, that goes the extra mile for them. And here's, I guess, what I'm, what I'm getting at is I, I, had a, I had somebody send me some reviews for uh, a firm that I'm, I'm very aware of. I'll put it that way. A competitor firm, but they, you know, they're, they're mostly out in California. And I am reading these reviews. And I'm, I'm not going to read the actual reviews, but th- th- I'll tell you, they are horrible they are horrible. These are better business reviews. These are uh, Yelp reviews. And there's a common, there is a common message and thread throughout these. Number one, they get clients out, send them out for medical you know, care, send them to doctors, send them to, you know, getting, getting diagnostics like MRIs or x-rays. And then they run up these huge bills. And then these clients are, are going online. They're complaining that these bills aren't getting paid. So that's one thing. The other thing that is very common is they're telling you there's no communication. They're not getting their calls returned. They're trying to track down their, you know, the lawyer or the, the assistant working on the case. And nobody's returning their call. And finally, their case settles. And for months, they're not getting any money. They're not getting no calls, but they're also not getting their, their net settlement proceeds. And I need to talk to you about this. This is like my, I try to do this once in a while as a PSA for Las Vegas. So everyone listening understands what's kosher or not. I don't, you know, when I understand I may not be everybody's cup of tea as a lawyer, I, that's fine. I mean, I'm very good. And Ashley, my partner at Sam and Ash Injury Law, she's even better. But here's what I will say. You go with a different lawyer. You need to know what your rights are. You need to understand that your lawyer is responsible making sure that all those bills are paid out of your settlement and that you still get a net settlement check at the end of the day. This is your right. So the idea that you get stuck with these bills, this is not okay. This is not acceptable. This is not how the system works. The way it is supposed to work is that ultimately your lawyer gets you a good settlement. That settlement has more than enough money in it to see to it that you're given a healthy net, your medical bills are paid, and the lawyer gets his fee. And that, by the way, all needs to occur. And your lawyer can't just take his fee and then sit on the case and not do anything and wait years and b- before you know finally on the 50th phone call that you 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 put in you go okay well here's my here's okay oh here's a thousand dollars sorry whoops a lawyer cannot do that 
I'm required when I get money in on behalf of a client. First of all, I always send a letter to the client. I let I let you guys know I have your money. This is what came in, just so you know. And we're putting it on de- on deposit in in our, in our attorney client trust account. And the second thing that I do is I immediate we immediately go to work on the medical bills. We see if there's any reductions to be made, and we get them paid. Now, sometimes there's a big lien from a hospital, and it takes a while to verify it because you got to verify it, right? You need to get a final final amount because you don't want to pay something that isn't the final amount and the client later gets stuck with with more money I don't want that to happen so I got to get the final final and you know but but then those can take time right certain hospitals take a while uh, Med- Medicare can be uh, notorious for lean amounts but aside from that this stuff should happen pretty quickly and once all those bills are verified finalized negotiated down whatever the case is then the whole thing's ready to be paid out this is not something that typically should take longer than three months. That's, that's my, I'll tell you, that's my rule of thumb. If your lawyer is taking longer than 90 days to pay your claim from the time the settlement check came in, there, are, there, might be a legitimate answer for, there might be a legitimate answer for why it's not, but you need to be asking the question. You need to be in touch, and you need to be satisfied with the answers that you're being given. So these are the important things. And by the way, if your lawyer is not calling you back and, and dodging you, particularly after your settlements come through, I, I'll tell you this as listeners of the program, please, 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 if you or a loved one is getting jerked around by another law firm after an accident, after settlement or even before a settlement and you're not happy, you can switch. You can switch at any time. It's never too late to switch lawyers, particularly if you've got a bad lawyer. What you need is a, you need a good lawyer. And so we do that, and I've triaged some of these cases, and, and I, I've seen, folks, I have seen some atrocious legal work here in this community, and it is, it's, it's, it's frightening because I, I, I demand the file. The file's your property, right? That's your, your file. So I, I look at it, I see what's going on in there, and I, I just I shake my head. And, and most of the time I'm able to, get in early enough where I can make a meaningful difference. And, the, and a meaningful difference can be the differences of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of net settlement proceeds in some cases, right? And th- those are not insignificant amounts. So just letting you know, this is what I do. I've seen it. I'm reading. I, I do it once in a while. I read these reviews. And you got these big names out there. Uh, you know, and and by the way, some of these places they on Yelp they'll have like 550 all positive reviews, but then you go to another place like Better Business Bureau, and all of a sudden it's a it's a disaster, and it's because these people are not are not doing what's right, and that's just a, 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 the fact of of life. So, friends, do that. Any questions? Always you can email me Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Or call me, 702-820-1234, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. All right, we're, we're wrapping it up here, uh, folks. It's been, I mean, I am here uh, right now doing the show live from the Czech Republic. I've mentioned this uh, to you guys before. I'm here on a little family time. I've got some friends from Vegas in the city playing tour guide. Grateful that you're putting up with me here doing the show uh, a little bit, you know, not in my usual element, uh, being in the studio and all, but but doing this for my hotel room late at night because we are, you know, nine hours ahead here. But I just want you to know it's um, it's it's a pleasure, and I I do enjoy taking a little bit of time out of my day to to do this. 
um, it is uh, really a fantastically rewarding, and I, I, I can't tell you how much, um, how much I enjoy it. Now, I'll, I'll leave you with this. As I tour the city and I see how this country has changed since my first visit immediately after the end of communism, I am filled with hope for our country. We can turn it around. But this next election and the one after it and the one after that, folks, is critical. It will determine the course of America. And it is on you and I to see it through. So I am, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. And at the same time, it's, it's a heavy burden I carry as the host of the show, as an American, as a, somebody who has a bit of influence in, in people's lives. I, I, uh, I, we got to get this thing across the finish line. We've got to wrestle this country back and put it on course, back on course. It's doable, uh, but it has to get done. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Got to get rid of Biden 1,000%. No question about that. Sam Rajofsky, you're listening to The What's Right Show here on News Talk 840 KXMT. I'll see you tomorrow.